So, Joe, you continue on and, and go with Tony, and I'll figure out what's going on on my end, and I'll try to jump in there. Sounds good. So um, this is Tony Simon of, uh, on Instagram. I'm going to plug his Instagram. Simon says train. And yep. <clears throat> 2A4 everyone is his um, is his program, his, his thing. So, Tony, actually, why don't we go into – tell me a little bit more about 2A for – for everyone um, and the diversity right. issue. I want to hear all about it, how it got started. Let's start with that. All right. Second is for everyone. Diversity shoot got started in 2015, February 2015, which is hilarious because that seemed to be a groundswell of grassroots. Um, I started diversity shoot February. Maj started Black Guns Matter in February. And uh, Mr. Smith, forget his first name every time, started the National Association of African-American Gun Owners at the same time. <laughs> All of us started up in February 2015. Um, they've grown slightly faster than I have. But um, I think we all just got frustrated with the uh, gun control movement and wanted to grow the community. So me personally, what happened to me is I became a firearms instructor in 2012. And mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be the greatest firearms instructor in the world here in New Jersey. And Sandy Hook happened. And they had 86 gun control bills in the New Jersey legi legislator legislate. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Words is hard. Anyway, they had that many bills stacked up the very next wow. day. And wow. that's when we decided we were going to fight it. Myself and my partner, Sean Fisher from black bag resources sat down and drafted a letter. It took like four hours because we wanted to write a letter to these guys. Mm -hmm. And after we completed it, Again, I was new to the firearms community online, so I went into every gun chat, gun room, and posted the letter and go, hey, guys, this is real. Here's a letter that we wrote. You can copy and paste it or write your own. We don't care, but please contact your representatives and get the fight going wherever you are. And that started my Second Amendment advocacy work. And then I went and testified in the... New Jersey Assembly. And if you mm -hmm. go to Simon Says Train on YouTube, you can watch the video of me testifying for the very first time. And I was so nervous that I could not tell you one word I said. I know I had said my name. And after that, it's all a blur. It's three minutes of me talking. And I think that was the first time I did the whole gun control is a 400-year-old racist strategy speech. Mm -hmm. And that took off a little bit. And people were quoting that for a while, which is cool. But that started my advocacy. Well, when I walked out of there, <clears throat> I was the only black dude that was pro-gun that spoke that day. There was 200 of us wow. there. And all white people that spoke. And I spoke to the groups because I'd, by that time, that was 2013, I'd been working with them for a while. Actually, it was 2015. And I said, um, we need to start something up. Do you guys have anything that gets minorities involved in the legislative side of activism? And everyone said, no, how do we start something like that? And I'm like, I don't know. And Sean, my partner was like, well, why don't you start something like that? And I went, I'm not a starter. People who start stuff, start stuff. I don't start stuff. And he was like, well, are you going to You see, this is a line I use often. Are you going to talk about it or be about it? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I hate you. And then I called up Anthony Calandra over at Gun for Hire, where I got my training. And I said, Anthony, I'd like to host an event just to get people of color in to learn about the advocacy side. And he, this is hilarious. He said, what about Thursday? <laughs> I'm like, in four days? He was like, yeah. I was like, uh, 
and this is the cockiness of me, right? And I think it's just most people because you don't know how social media works. Give me a week and I'll get word, word out and we'll fill a classroom. Is. <laughs> Give me That's a week. Exactly it's is. a great idea. Everyone can't wait to do this. So, of course, I think it was 26, 28 people said they'd come. And it was 6 o'clock <clears throat> on uh, Thursday. By 7 o'clock, four guys showed up. That was it for the entire day. Um, so we went ahead and started talking about firearms, talking about New Jersey law, talking about how uh, you get your permits and everything in Jersey, the delays, the lies they tell you just to slow down you in the permitting process. And then we went and shot guns and had a good time. And that was the very first diversity shoot. After it was over with, the guys left. We took some pictures, which was really cool. And you can still see them every now and again. I'll repost them. And then I apologized to Anthony. I was like, I thought I'd fill the classroom. I thought we'd be awesome. I apologize. I, I won't even bother you again. And he was like, oh, that's bull crap. No, you're doing this again. You're doing this again, and then you're doing it again and again. And because of Anthony, we started hosting these every other month from 2015 until COVID shut everything down. I think our last event was February of this year, right after we got back from shot. We hosted an event, and they shut the state down. So New Jersey ranges were closed for, I think, 18 weeks. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And then um, because Anthony Calandra was such a 2A advocate and a pain in his butt because he has Gun for Hire Radio where he talks about the governor and his failure to protect our rights, New Jersey ranges are only open to 25% capacity. So just like... Well, at 25% capacity, they can't host our events. And uh, that's when the Heritage Guild in Pennsylvania reached out to me and said, hey, we gladly host events here because I tried to establish a relationship with them in 2016. We couldn't work things out, but now we did. And to make up for lost time, I'm hosting an event every month this year at the Heritage Guild in Easton, PA. For how was your How up? was your turnout in, um, in Pennsylvania? Uh, turnout, I didn't try to push it because I wanted to get the kinks worked out. And I really didn't mm-hmm. want to do it with a classroom full of people. But pretty much we had like 25 people show up. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Six Sawyer sent their rep, Jim, down. Jim's awesome. And uh, he ran a port. My friend Les uh, from uh, Schaefer Precision, he came out, ran a port. And I just had friends from Jersey come in and they ran ports. And people came from as far away as Brooklyn wow. to Pennsylvania. Oh, wow to shoot guns and i was like that's awesome i brought in uh sarah from holdmyguns.org she was there she's great and uh, she spoke and let people know what was going on with them i had my boy nick wong from uh cnjfo which is a new jersey organization dedicated to getting us carry permits he spoke and let people know about that advocacy and uh we had food we answered any questions people had we talked about new jersey and pennsylvania gun laws and how it's important regardless of your race to be involved in the advocacy of fighting for your rights so that's what we did this whole thing is growing organically which is amazing um and because of help like from friends like you and ones i've made on the way we've done a lot of amazing work we've got word spread out like i just recorded my speech for um, the gun rights policy conference Mm -hmm. And then we have the Second Amendment uh, rally coming up in October, and I have to record another message for them. So, yes, we're growing. We're moving. It's awesome. And I have help from around the country from people that just want to stand up for our rights. That's great. 
So that's how we started. That's what I do. And we give cool stuff away on our Patreon. So that's what's happening. That's awesome. How do you how do you compare so you've been around since the twenty fifteen wave of of you know, diverse people of people of diverse backgrounds getting into guns in the Second Amendment fight. How do you compare um what you're seeing now to what you were seeing then? Do you feel like the community is growing in diversity uh, or at least the people of diverse backgrounds becoming more vocal? Like, what are you seeing compared to what we were like five years ago? Five years ago, when I first started, I mean, of course, there were people of color, there were minorities. Um, it's funny because if you go through the pictures I have, more and more started showing up to my event. I th- and understand, this is New Jersey, the home of the mm-hmm. closeted gun owner. I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can lose your job, you can lose your network of friends, all kinds of things. So I totally understand you're not showing up to have your picture taken. Mm-hmm. But people started coming out of the woodwork. Uh, Latinos and Asians were the first ones to come out. I mean, white people were the first ones to come out after the very first one where they realized white people could come. <laughs> because I made the mistake of naming it the African-American diversity shoot. And people were like, can white people come? I'm like, diversity, yes, white, that. Okay, I'll change the name. So that's what I did. Second one was the second was for everyone. Second is for everyone. But um, I've watched more minorities come out of the closet and bring in more people. Um, I was talking to my boy Manny yesterday. He's out of New York, a libertarian, um, and he works with uh, Larry Sharp and his awesome. campaign. And uh, Manny was like, when I came to the event the first time and I saw you in front of the room welcoming us, I was like, all right, one of us. And I think that's what it is. A lot of people need someone to break the ice to to get you to come to that place where the media and your whole life, you've been told it's nothing but white rednecks that like guns and you're not going to be feel made to feel welcome at the range. And you just need someone to invite you in. And that's what I'm glad I'm able to do. And, and that's what's been happening. And it's grown. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's from everywhere. We have Ecuadorians. We have Cubans. We have, I mean, you name it, Dominicans. We have it out the yin-yang, which is awesome. Um, that's what I want. And now these people understand you can come here. You don't even need me to come to the range after you break that ice. Come and bring your friends to the range even without me. But what we also do is introduce Second Amendment advocacy groups. And I think Getting people involved in the firearms thing and shooting guns and hearing about the lies that they're being told and breaking the stereotypes is great. But unless you create political activism, unless you get some action going, it doesn't really I'm not saying it doesn't count, but it doesn't have the impact it could have. Mm -hmm. So I bring in Second Amendment advocacy groups and my job is not to have. Is Tony there? I just lost audio. I think we lost Tony there. Oh, he's coming back. There he is. Sorry, we Hello? lost you there for a second. You got disconnected okay. for a second. You're back. There, Tony. Okay. Yeah, I got a phone call actually from Manny. <laughs> <laughs> I think your phone. I think your phone's got to be rotating um, too because it flipped. My job isn't to there. have members. I'm not in competition with with your Second Amendment group. I want you to talk about your Second Amendment group at my event. I don't want that friction. I don't want that competition. I'm an umbrella for everyone. If you want to come and talk about what you do and recruit people, great. If you're a firearms instructor and you just want to hand out your business card, I don't dig it because that's competition for the ranges, but you can come there and do your work 
and let people know you 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 are an instructor and let them look you up. You're not recruiting from, you know, the cod, you know, the attendees, but at least you can let people know what you Definitely. do. That's what I, I think. I you, uh, I think you got to flip your camera around, Tony, real quick. Your phone after you got that call because it seems like it. Uh, there you go. Now you're good. So. Perfect. I don't know if my audio is back. Uh, anybody can let me know in the chat if you want to check it out. Uh, I, I think I resolved it, but I'm not 100% sure because I can't hear myself uh, the way that I have it set up. I can hear you oh. now. I couldn't hear you earlier just now, but I can hear you now. So chat, let us know. Yep. Yeah, chat, uh, chat let us know if, uh, well, you'll have to let them know because if they can't hear me, then they can't say anything <laughs> when I ask okay. a question. So, so uh, anyway. Uh, so how did you get into firearms, Tony? I think that's really the biggest question that most people have always is how you got uh, how you got into firearms. Rolanda, check your gains. Uh, G-Web says can only barely okay, hear so you. I'm being heard. Well, the question is, is he hearing me through your mic or is, is he hearing it through my own source? You're not high enough to hear through my mic. So let's see if, that, if that gain helps, if anybody can hear that better, but... Okay. Can you guys hear me now? Is that better for you guys or is that worse? Let me know. Uh, but uh, anyway, regardless, Tony. How so the, the origin story, the origin story of when <laughs> Tony first picked up a gun, his very first time. How, what was that? Tell us more about that. Well, the origin story is pretty boring for someone that grew up in the country like me. I'm from Southwest Virginia, grew up on a farm in the country where guns were just a part of life. We had firearms. No big deal. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a gun. Uh, we had guns in the back of the truck going to school. You know what I mean? In the back window. So it was not, it was cool to me. I like shooting. I can't tell you what the first gun I shot was. I just know whenever there was a family event, we'd break out something and we'd shoot cans and stuff in the yard. Um, it was just a thing. I competed in high school in air gun competitions with the junior ROTC. Uh, and then I joined the Marine Corps and did that, but I didn't do a lot of shooting in the Corps. While I was in, the first assault weapons ban passed. Um, like, and I had no care in the world. Didn't even think about it. Like, like big deal. So what? And, and that's what I try to make people understand now. A lot of gun owners are like that. Like at that time, I had, um, I was in the surplus guns. So I had Mosin-Nagant, I had finished Mosin-Nagant, I had a 1911 that I carried, GI, um, and I didn't care. I, I had an infield. That was my thing. It's not covered by the assault weapons ban, so it doesn't bother, it doesn't mm -hmm. affect me. And, and that's short-term thinking, but you have to eventually become an advocate. You don't buy your first gun and all of a sudden you're marching on Washington. It's not what you do. So that's what I kind of understand, and I want to get people there quickly to un to know the time you waste, they can pass a law that won't sunset like the assault weapons ban did, and you have to fight it on a state-by-state -state basis. So what got me involved in advocacy was actually moving up here, finding out the stupid New Jersey gun laws, being hamstrung by them for almost 20 years before I got my firearms uh, ID card and my pistol purchase permit for the very first time. It's ridiculous the loops you have to jump through. The fact that law enforcement itself stands in a way as an obstacle that they lie to you to delay your paperwork and violate New Jersey law while they do it. And that ticked me off. And then after Sandy Hook and they came after everything that we did, I just got fighting mad. I'm like, no, 
there's a way. I have an option as a citizen. And that's what I decided to do. I decided to start fighting back any way I could, which was sort supporting Second Amendment groups in New Jersey. Um, I joined the NRA. And um, <laughs> along the way, I learned that the NRA doesn't do a damn thing. And But the NRA ILA has helped me out tremendously. And when I say the NRA doesn't do anything, I'm talking about for grassroots mm-hmm. organizations like myself and others, they really didn't step up. Like, they fight on a state basis. Uh, New Jersey's NRA chapter is called ANJRPC. They're in Trenton. They're fighting the bills themselves. They send the NRA ILA guy down. Darren, he fights. But big NRA, haven't seen him. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the, in the five years I've been doing it, uh, I got invited to their Thursday night dinner at NRAM, and I didn't go talked to a friend of mine and they were like, oh, that's a dog and pony show where NRA director, board of director people come take pictures with you, shake your hands and use it for their own propaganda mm-hmm. purposes, make a bunch of promises and don't follow through with it. And um, I actually became an NRA recruiter. And after the first year, after going to my first NRA show, I realized they don't actively recruit in the minority community. They don't care if we join because they have, they at that time had their black guy. Mm-hmm. They had Coley on the war um, and they would parade him out. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but he would come out, do his thing. And they're like, yep, we got one. We cool. Mm-hmm. Our quote is done. It's, it's somebody said the Highlander rule. There can only be one yeah. black guy. Oh yeah. That goofball you had on last week. What's his name? Um, he said that, but yeah, it was, it's really true. <laughs> it's like they can only <laughs> well, be one. I, it's funny because I was on, um, I was on Hank's show on Wednesday. Was it was that on Wednesday? And I was on with um, I want to say it was, what was yeah. his name? Deshaun Bowser, and he just wrote a book about uh, black behind the NRA, and you know, accor- uh, you know, according to him, he joined the NRA he just off. He put his resume out everywhere, and he joined the NRA not knowing what the NRA was at the time. So it was actually a pretty unique perspective, uh, hearing somebody that's like I didn't I didn't have any predispositions or or any bias or opinion behind the NRA. They just gave me a job and I joined up because it seemed like a good opportunity. And um, obviously he went into a lot of other in-depth stuff about workplace racism and things like that. But one of the things kind of what you were saying was that they didn't actively try to recruit other people. He was just a hire. It wasn't necessary that they hired him because he was black. They saw his resume. He was good when he came in for the interview. Oh, he happens to be a black guy. Cool. Uh, um, and then, you know, he went through, obviously, a lot of adversity there. If you want to know more about it, uh, you can check out that podcast or you can check out Trenchwork Chronicles, had a more in-depth one-on-one with him. And obviously, he has his book. So you can, you know, check it out, see if you think uh, – it seemed like he was coming from an honest perspective, but obviously, everybody's going to judge whether he has an axe to grind or not, especially these days. But I thought he was pretty genuine and – the fact that it didn't affect his advocacy and educated him more about the second amendment shows. I think he's a genuine, he's coming at it from a genuine perspective because he's not going, well, the NRA is racist. And let me tell you why you should vote for the Democrats. He, he, that's not how he came off. He's like, it seems like they treated me badly, but I still believe in the second amendment. In fact, I believe in it even more now seeing how they uh, don't do a good job in being stewards of the second amendment, educating people. The NRA is not the end-all, be-all of Second Amendment advocacy. Mm-hmm. You are. All right? Groups help. Groups will uh, – advocacy groups can meet legislators and go, we have 
5,000 members in your state that are willing to vote on this issue. That's what groups do. But you as an individual calling, writing, and, and, and being there for both the mayor, your mayors, your city council, or your township council, you have the power, not the group, at the top, top of their game. The NRA only had 5 million gun owners. That's it. Supposedly, they're between, depends on who you listen to, 40 and 100 million people that own firearms in this country. That's not a big percentage. You hold the power as an individual, and you really need to exercise mm-hmm. it. I, was, uh, I joined NRA 15 because it was a requirement on the rifle yeah. team. So, so I've been around in the NRA, and I wasn't politically aware until I started doing advocacy back in 2012. And I'm like, as a whole, as a group, it's their business to be advocates. And sometimes your goal, at least mine as a firearms owner, is not the same as the NRA. Yeah. My goal is to get rid of every gun law. Every gun law is an infringement. Every gun law is, needs to be off the books. Theirs is not the same as mine, even though they say it. Well, do you think that sometimes well, they align more with uh, the gun companies more than the gun actually owners? I'm, I'm I don't really know. I haven't heard too many people talk about that because I hear sometimes people critique gun companies, too, for saying that they don't get active enough politically unless they know it's going to directly affect their bottom line. So, dude, um. you saw Peter's comment. (laughs) I was waiting for one of those. Oh, that's great. Uh, Audio only audience. Uh. And comment in the chat says, oh, my God, how did you get Colleen Noir on this show? <laughs> <laughs> that That's racist because I'm modular. Um, <laughs> hello, Solutionaries. Um, what, what I feel is the NRA has its own mm-hmm. goals. Uh, gun companies provide money. Here's my problem with gun companies. How's this? You have a website. You have a location inside the United States or you have, you know, distribution. Why don't you at least advertise the Second Amendment gatherings or activism in your state? That costs you zero dollars to go to a activism and just have a little pull down tab. I'm not even asking you to make your entire website that. But the little things they can do, they don't. It costs them no money to spread information. and they won't I've, I've do never it. understood why they do that because it only... It's only it's really the only industry where you have a constitutional right associated with it. So it's almost like you have a built in like we already have an in like we have an industry by default because people have a right to keep and bear arms. So it's not like we have to lobby for the government to say, can we sell guns? It's like, no, no, you can already do that. Like you can you you have the right to own guns. So anything that would allow you to expand that or give you some political leverage because it's like, this is a right in the Constitution. I feel like they should be lobbying all the time as part of their marketing campaign. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's a disservice to them as well because, I mean, this week has been particularly like, I, I always say that I talk to pretty much everybody and their mom about guns if I can get away with it. So the last couple of weeks I've becoming more and more disillusioned. I had somebody tell me, uh, I, I ran into a former coworker who I hadn't seen in a few years. Well, I knew he was a gun owner and he said he asked me what have you been up to and I said I knew he was a gun owner so I was like I was going to broach it with him and I said well I got into you know I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, second amendment advocacy in, in the community and he, he says what's that and I'm like wait advocacy or the second amendment and then I'm, he literally was confused and I had to go 
the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, your right to bear arms. And then, like, I saw he got so embarrassed that I'm like, this is pretty bad. I didn't realize how bad the situation really is. Or if I bring it up, someone will respond with, oh, so you work with the NRA. Like, that's (laughs) like either someone will pretend to know and say something about the NRA or just completely clueless. And these are gun owners. Uh Yeah, that's one of the things I posted. When was that? I don't know, like two weeks ago? About all the gun owners running around talking about these new people need to be politically active. I'm like, you veterans need to be politically active. I was talking mm-hmm. to a company rep because, you know, I'm doing the elevator speech around the NRA show. I'm going to every booth and I'm talking to people and I'm talking to people. And, you know, you, you get into the thing. Hi, my name is Tony Simon. I'm from Second News for Everyone. And what I do is bring in 2A activist groups. And, and they were like, what's 2A activist? This was in the gun industry. This was at a yes. booth at the gun yes. I'm like, Second Amendment advocacy. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay. And, but you're talking to someone that owns a gun. I'm talking one that works for a major firearms manufacturer. And they were like, Sum. since then, and I described what I did, they've made it their mission to help us out. And they helped us out a lot. But it was just, it's done to me. I'm learned, I've learned a lot about the industry and about people since I've been doing this. One of the assumptions I made was everybody who starts out buying a firearm are looking at high points and budget firearms. Not true at all. Uh, what I found out is some people have an idea that a pistol costs $5,000. So when you tell them a Glock is around 500 bucks, they're like, really? Oh, I could get a few mm-hmm. of those. And then there's others that think a pistol costs around $100. And when I tell them, heck, a high point is like 175 they're like, ooh, that much? I'm like, you don't, never mind. <laughs> but but you, you have to talk to people and, and find mm-hmm. out what their expectations are. Um, you guys are RSOs yep. now, uh, certified RSOs. And one of the first things people tell you when you put a gun in their hand for the first time is how heavy it is. They didn't know it was going to be that heavy. So it's people don't know what they don't know. And that's part of what I do. And I try not to make assumptions about what their level is. But you do. <laughs> you just do. It's, it's a human thing. But I really enjoy what I'm doing. I love it. I, I find it. We're lucky. I'm not telling you to do something that's not fun. Not only is it fun, it's your legal right to do. It's, it's, it's your human right. So all I have to do is convince you that this thing you're doing, someone's trying to take it away from you. And how they're lying, and it's not going to make you safer based on all of human history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all of human history um, dictates that you need to be armed as a citizen, mm-hmm. regardless of where you come from. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I'm uh, honest enough that I, I know that when I was originally, like, the first time I picked up a gun and started getting into the, you know, getting into guns, I... I mean, I actually found it today. I was I was um, going through my Twitter account and deleting two thousand posts and likes and stuff because I had. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned my my affinity for K-pop on other podcasts before. It's my guilty pleasure. But uh, I'm growing up, so I'm getting rid of it. So <laughs> I'm going through and deleting two thousand likes, and I was actually somewhere in those likes, I found some gun stuff, and I liked a few posts back like six, seven years ago. About, you know, somebody posted something about, I believe in guns, but I don't believe people should own assault rifles. And I'm like, how did I like this? Six or seven years ago, it wasn't that long ago. And I'm like, that's when I first started liking guns. And I was that person who didn't understand 
you know, like these new gun owners, why you don't, why, why do you need this rifle? That just, so I don't, I don't criticize. And I think that's important to not criticize because it's an evolution for people, you know, and you kind of forget where you come from. So it's really important to never, because I I see this too. I see people talking smack about new gun owners and it's like, you need to, you know, if you grew up around guns, that's a privilege in my opinion. Um, It's a privilege I did not have. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, in, in terms of, uh, um, years it's been it's been a while now but it's still fairly new to my life compared to some people who've been shooting guns since they're seven so that's important as well because if you talk to people in a negative way about this stuff um for these people that we're talking about to getting the existing members of the community to talk to younger newer people um it matters as well how you talk to them because um it's very easy to turn someone off completely as well and remember, you know, they didn't have that privilege. And it doesn't help when we get our gun culture pettiness involved. Oh, you mm-hmm. bought one of those. Oh, you bought it that cal. Shut mm-hmm. up. Just shut up. This is this is inside baseball stuff that we bicker about that an outside person has no clue and really doesn't need to be caught up mm-hmm. in. They don't need to get caught up in your 45 versus 9 millimeter versus 40 battle because they know they bought a gun and it's black. That's as deep well, as they I, go. I, I think the um, closest parallel is the is cars, as far as that's concerned, because, and, and then on my side of it too, I'm in IT, so I see it with like computers and gaming, like people who build computers and get into that stuff. Obviously, it seems to be a masculine thing. <laughs> it's toxic masculinity. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it seems to be like anytime that there's brand attachment or that there's power or effectiveness evolved, <laughs> then then people get really committed to it so as far as that's the same thing with guns in the caliber battles it's the same thing with cars like oh a four-cylinder turbo is garbage i got a v8 that's all i need that's like saying oh a 45 is the only thing that'll get the job done so it's you get into the same arguments just about different things you know that's really what it is speaking of ammo i guess the joke's on everybody for you know that dissed on 40 is 40 one of the rounds that are easy to find now compared to nine <laughs> Yep. Oh, and, and especially my post the other day about 45 gal. Oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> man, some people took that way too people seriously. People get really butthurt over um, stuff. It's really funny. It's it's like, okay, dude, I, I made a joke that's not really a joke because I really need to get a life. So 4 o'clock in the morning, um, <laughs> for some reason, I fell down a rabbit hole on the Internet to find out exactly how much this 45 gap cost per round now and where is it available well it's available almost everywhere including self-defense mm-hmm. ammo and it's still the same price it was six years That's ago so funny so it's at 40 cent around now but um yeah the that 40 and uh, well i'll put it at 40 i don't know about 45 ga- uh, or I've heard, uh 357 i've heard people can get 45 acp better than nine but i don't know how much more difficult it is but i've seen people well, those rounds that everybody said were no longer relevant and obsolete um, or easier to get, mm-hmm. they're kind of um, uh, ammo apocalypse proof. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's all. So, you know, buy what you buy. But I have a lot of new people who now want to get into firearms and can't find mm-hmm. ammo. Um, one of my guys that work for me just got a, a FN 509. Oh, where do I get ammo? I'm like, well, um, you know, the three years I was telling you to get your pistol purchase permit. Yeah, well, 
that's when you should have done it. So now what's happening is you're just going to have to pay 80 cent per round for full metal jacket training ammo. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Screaming Skull Saloon yeah, actually, in, the, in, the, in the chat actually says he was actually having a hard time finding 5.7. Wow. That's, that means Ruger must have sold a lot of those pistols. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what it is. Ruger messed it up for yep. everybody. The small supply oh. they had, everybody bought when they went and bought those 5.7s. And the last uh, ammo apocalypse taught me the lesson on 22. Oh, my God. So I just started. To um, every two weeks, I'd purchase like a brick of 22, and uh, I'm set. So when you see a lot of pictures coming from my diversity shoots, and we're shooting lever actions and 1022s, you'll know why. <laughs> but uh, we're going to be in this ammo drought probably until 2021, the beginning of 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely think so. That's what we've been stockpiling on to mostly. Like we got our reserves of. Nine, nine, two, two, three, and five, five, six, and then after that, we just twenty two is the only thing we can buy. So every time we go to Walmart, I'm like, I'm gonna take a break of twenty two because that's what they've got. So I'm just gonna take. And it's funny now because now I'm telling Joe, I was like, maybe I should build an AR ten because I can still find three hundred eight and six five Creedmoor at Walmart at normal prices. So I was like, I should build a six five or three hundred eight AR and just call it a day, <laughs> and slowly build and slowly yeah. build up the ammo for it too. On that and have a, another well, option. I have to justify the stuff I use. I don't want to introduce somebody to oh, a yeah, 308 yeah. on the handle. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we have them there. And, and, and every time someone brings one, I go, I don't want to introduce somebody to a 308 on the <laughs> God isn't mm-hmm. loud. But we're in Pennsylvania now, so hopefully if anyone brings one, they can bring a suppressor along yeah. with it. There you go. <laughs> I'm just saying, small hint. Mm-hmm. If you bring it a 308, suppress it definitely so what how is uh is jersey how how are their restrictions going now are they have what phases are they in are they even saying what they're going to do or is it arbitrary all around like a lot of it's arbitrary it's arbitrary and anyone that stood up against governor murphy their business as an entire category is going to pay uh gyms won't open because of the gym in south jersey that refuses to stay closed which i totally understand where he's Mm -hmm. coming from um Anthony Calandro and the other ranges in New Jersey have been fighting Murphy since he got in. And now they're stuck with 25% capacity based upon nothing. Is there, is New Jersey doing, I I saw today that um, there's a big lawsuit in New York city for restaurant owners who are um, suing the mayor for the 25% capacity thing, because I don't think, is it even 25% capacity in restaurants? I'm not even sure. Um, I, I feel like it was even, like they weren't even allowed to open in, in indoor dining and winter's coming. So yeah. they're actually suing. Is, is, do you know if Jersey's doing anything along those I lines? Would, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it's right behind it because it's ridiculous. It's arbitrary. They made up a number. Um, they had the entire time COVID's been going on to figure out how they can open these businesses up. And they don't know anything. They don't have phases. It's, it's proof that you cannot trust the government to get anything mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. And and that's why I try to tell, I try to equate the second amendment to things that people can understand and what they're going through. And I'm like, look how arbitrary 25%. Where, where did you get 25%? What medically did you come up with 25%? Well, it's like, like, it's why we can't allow more than 10 rounds per magazine, Tony. It's the same reason. 
The same reason you can't have restaurants yeah. at twenty five percent is the same reason why you can't have standard capacity magazines. <laughs> because they said so. Yeah, yeah. Made it up. they said so. Yeah, he That's made it. it up. And and to listen to and this is why it's important because most people are good and most people assume others are good. So when you're talking about Second Amendment advocacy and the fact that your legislators don't know what the heck they're talking about, they go, Well, maybe they just don't understand. I'm like, No, it's woeful ignorance. They don't want to understand for the most part. And the way you make them understand is to actually talk to them and go, listen, if you vote for this, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you're not reelected. I'm going to campaign against you. If I have to volunteer for another campaign, I will. And, and, and you just have to let them know that. I mean, be polite, but be understanding that they're going to lose you as a voter. That's all. I mean, that's all you can do unless you want to run yourself. And one of the things you do is remember all politics are local. So if you start on your local level, you have a much, uh, much more weight in what you say. In Trenton, New Jersey, it has a population of 250,000. Um, I work as a election poll worker um, every year, twice a year. And you had to go to classes when I lived in Trenton and you go there and it has 50 seats in their city council where they host a city council meeting of 250,000 people. They have 50 chairs and most of the chairs have spider webs and dust on them because people don't go to city council. Now, if you showed up with 25 people to a city council meeting, he'd look at you like, oh my God, we have to find out who this guy is and what he's doing. And just show up every time. The way to become an activist is to show yep. up. That's, that's the secret. That's the truth. It is the absolute truth. Oh, Joe, you're muted. Sorry. No, no, in Skype. In Skype. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. She just can let's see. Can you yes, hear me now? Yeah. yeah. I don't know Sorry, how that you're, you're getting okay. a you're getting an echo from the outside, so I had to mute you for a second. But I couldn't. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh G Web's gun websites in the uh, chat says question, money no object. Assuming corona goes away, what do you do with your diversity shoot in twenty twenty one? 2021, my goal, regardless of money right now, is to be back in Jersey, also to continually, continuously run uh, missions <laughs> in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to continue with that. I'm trying to get in more ranges. Uh, Jersey, if, if most people don't know, there's a North Jersey, a Central Jersey, and a South Jersey. Even though the state looks small, it has like three cultures so i'm trying to make sure i get into those places i also have to go into new york state this year um i'd already set something up with a range there and i just have to dance around their rules whatever i bring and deal with you know the new ranges that i talk to so my goal is to get more events going i'm trying to do one a month without killing myself because i'm taking time off of work to do these it's not as if i can work all day and then show up at an event i have to set the event up i have to work with the host and um but that's what i'm trying to do eventually what i want to do is have people host them in states i just have to find people that understand what i want the mission and sadly they have to fit the optic um they have to probably be uh person of color or Latino or in the LGBTQ community and also a Second Amendment advocate, 
only because again when people walk into the room they need to understand that the second is for everyone but <laughs> it it's just it makes people feel more comfortable if they see someone that looks like them in front of the room especially if you're trying to grow in a minority community so that's the hard part is finding someone that believes in what I'm doing but also fits that description which kind of goes against what I believe, but it's necessary to make it's this It's funny work. because we were actually having this discussion with, um, with Ed Grantion, you know, uh, with Guns for Everyone. Uh, and he kind of mm-hmm. mentioned that, uh, I believe it was on his podcast and we were commenting on there, that he started making more posts that were basically saying that I'm a Mexican Second Amendment advocate. And he's like, I hate that. I never wanted to do that. I think it's BS that I have to basically bring it up, but he's like, I got more likes from my posts that way and more pe- and people got more receptive. And, and Joe knows that I've, I've, uh, I've always struggled with that to myself. Like I shouldn't have to, I've always gotten angry that that's what the left does, that they basically use race as a be all end all, but unfortunately it's effective. Yeah. So being the Puerto Rican pistolero is being better than just the pistolero. You know, people, it, it catches people's attention and it catches the demographic because people that are in the guns generally are there into whatever, let's say whatever niche that you're in, they're going to be attracted to that no matter what. You've got your built-in audience, whether it's guns, video games, cars, there, there is a set demographic, you know, it's usually men between a certain age or whatever, but anything that you can do to kind of expand and show like it's not just those guys it's us too and actually we're part of those guys everybody is it's just those are the guys that you see because they're the majority so obviously they're they're the faces you're going to see more often so i'm going to counter that go go for it of course i'm going to counter that because you said that's what the left does but i also think that's a necessity because i i don't think it's just for for showing we are diverse and having to prove that I think it's actually very necessary to present ourselves that way because there are people out there who don't have the, you know, they might be the one person in their community who's Mm -hmm. different and they're having a hard time coming forward or, you know, being vocal or just admitting that they're into this stuff. Um, And then they see someone that looks like them or talks like them or, you know, I've already had that experience where I've had, a random DM from someone and it's a female Hispanic from somewhere, you know, not Florida, not definitely not South Florida. And she's, you know, this happens a few times already where they thank me, you know, like really happy to see someone else that is like me out there and that has the guts to present themselves out there. And I'm like, there's, you know, thank you, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad it's doing something for them. So it's not just about identity Mm -hmm. politics. It helps people. Mm -hmm. You're 100% and why, true. And that's why I feel like um, there was a National Range Day a few months mm-hmm. ago, right? Um, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of people uh, who are already into guns going out there, but it's actually not. Like, we were mm-hmm. sitting in the classroom, and it was a bunch of people who never p- picked up a gun, and they got into that classroom because they saw it's a minority mm-hmm. event. I'm going to feel more comfortable there. I've thought about this. Let me go to this. If there was an event, just a broad one that just said classes, they weren't going to go there. It was an environment that they felt comfortable in, and that's why it's so necessary. That's true. You're right. You're right. It's just not my default. My race is not my default. And, And 
And it's funny because, again, I've been doing this since 2015. So I have, I've made friends in these events that started out as attendees, then became volunteers and, and became friends. Now when I'm posting for my next event and I'm trying to show that minorities come, I have to think about, oh, which one of my friends are a minority and which picture do I have? Of, and it's just annoying. It's like, that's not why they're my friends, but that's why they have to be in the picture for the optic. And, and it's just that part is frustrating, but you're 100% right. It is, it is necessary um, because people make certain assumptions based on who they see in the picture. I remember I had some of the most vitriol hatred kicked in black gun forms um, because the first events I hosted, and I remember this is, I can't dictate who shows up. Um, and they were like, why so many white people at the event? And I'm like, because you didn't bring anybody black. <laughs> I mean, what, what am yeah, I supposed you didn't show to up. say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't show up with all of your black mm -hmm. friends. So, I mean, I, I actually stopped posting in those pages because I just don't want to have anything to do with that kind of stuff. Um, this is about positivity. This is about growing the community, not separating people based on their race. Yeah, we bring it up to, to let you know that you're welcome here. Um, I remember the first time I stumbled across saying LGBTQ community or saying that regardless of your sexual orientation, you're welcome. And it was during a speech, during the New Jersey um, Second Amendment conference. I just said it during a speech, and I got approached by someone in the community who was like, hey, I'm transgender, and I'm glad you spoke up because I didn't, I've never been welcomed like that before. And I was like, wow, I, that was just something I said in the middle of a, uh, of a question. But yeah, I want, if you're human, or identify as... <laughs> that carbon-based life form, come on out. It's your right to defend yourself. It's true. Welcome. <laughs> and politics, leave it out. A couple of things that I find gun people make a mistake and they allow themselves to get caught up in the arguments that have nothing to do with the Second Amendment and firearms. I don't care what your position is on any other subject only because it ends up being divisive. Don't need it. Don't want it talk about the things we have in common we have enough we have an agenda of divisiveness in this country that's being pushed on us every yeah. day don't fall for that okie doke because it's not positive we're coming up on the anniversary of september 11th again and i remember how america was on september 12th mm -hmm. together ready to stand up and and rescue the people that were hurt help the families that were devastated and get America back on its feet. And we really have gone, we're not even far away as a people. We're far away as the news that's being pushed on us saying we're far away. Because you see it every time there's a fire, you see it every time there's a natural disaster, people get together regardless of their backgrounds and help each other out. But the news media keeps telling you that, oh, this is the worst and stuff. And I love it when they say, this is the worst race relations has ever been in America. I'm like, ah! Really? Because history and my lifetime tells me something totally different. Especially when a 23-year-old white kid told me that about six months ago. <laughs> He's sitting at my table going, this is the worst blacks I've ever had in America. And I looked at him I'm like... like uh, you weren't around... <laughs> black, right? like, Segregation. And slavery? Man. I mean, come on. It wasn't that long ago. I'm like, you know I'm black and have been like for a really long time. Like, I joined the club early mm -hmm. on. If anything, I can agree that they're worse for for the least amount of reasons as before. 
So if you if you take an aggregate of how the the state of the United States is from top to bottom without listening to what the media tells you, and then you see how people are behaving, then you'd be like, there's no logical reason why you should be behaving the way that you are. So I would say it's bad in the sense of you have no reason for you to behave this way and feel like it's that bad, unless it's your individual circumstance, which everybody has their own thing. But usually when you talk to somebody, you can be like, well, what have you gone through? It's like, well, I went through with this with this somebody. Well, do you really think that everybody's like that? No, it's just that these people treat me badly. Okay, well then, it, it's not what they're saying. It's not. We have more options to fight discrimination than we've ever had. Uh, we have to exercise it, and I think one of the sad parts is a lot of us, regardless of your race or background, has stopped being politically active and used that power of a citizen to affect change. Like a lot of people just sit back. I don't vote. I mean, 70% of the people don't vote during non-presidential Dri- elections. Crazy. That's so crazy. That gives away massive amounts of your mm-hmm. power. Again, as someone who works the election polls, um, I was working a primary in Jersey. My area had 562 uh, uh, registered voters. 25 people voted that day. I'm like, that is ridiculous. I can't even do the maths. Well, <laughs> I've seen that before. Like, yeah, because in high school, um, I used to work uh, polls as well. Because at the time, that's when they started getting voting machines in. And somebody got the bright idea of, hey, the students that are learning IT in high school, they can run the voting machines because they need tech support. So we're like, whatever. So they trained us. The vendor actually trained us on the voting machines. And we volunteered at the polling places. And we got like volunteer credit hours for it for high school. But uh, but, uh sat around with a room full of octogenarians all that's what day. it was yeah i was the youngest i was with a bunch of other senior citizens i was the youngest kid there i was like 17 or 18 i did it twice so 17 and 18 and uh i mean that's how it was but i was flabbergasted the first year that i did it i was in a polling station that was really busy so i i saw a lot of traffic but the second time it was like what you said it was like five people came to vote the entire day and there were like 500 registered at that polling place it was just like what at least there was 500 registered (laughs) i was um i was listening to sports radio it's cute that um sports are so lame now that every time i turn on sports radio because i love i love talk radio um that's what i usually listen to on my commute and um Every time I turn on sports radio, I have to like double check the dial because I'm like, did I accidentally go to the news station? Because my sportscasters are now always talking about politics, which is like crazy. But what can you expect in 2020? Mm-hmm. But on um, one of the channels I was listening to, they were talking about um, the NBA players and how many had um, were registered to vote. And apparently the source said it's 20% of NBA players, despite being so active on social media platforms about politics only 20 percent of them had been registered uh to vote and also i heard that colin kaepernick not getting into colin kaepernick in terms of what you know his deal is or whether you like him or not but he is also a non-voter he is not registered to vote so look at that (laughs) you got to put in work um being loud on social media is is great but if it's not followed by actions you're just being loud in the echo chamber. Congratulations. You've done nothing. And um, way too many firearms owners do nothing. So don't be one. Uh, get involved. And again, 
the reason I host the diversity shoot is to introduce you to the Second Amendment groups that are doing something and go, hey, you don't have to wait for a group. Go to diversityshoot.com right on the front page. I have you put in your zip code. It will give you every elected official from your dog catcher to the president of the United States and a way to contact mm -hmm. them. Do it. Don't be afraid. I even have example letters of what you can write. Don't wait until there's a mass shooting to jump on the bandwagon. Let them know that you're watching them now, not when everything's at risk. And it's easy to say, but it's a holiday weekend. They're coming in Tuesday. Jump on this weekend sometime if you have, have some time. Get a letter, copy and paste it, throw it up, and just go, hi, my name is, and I live in this district, and please vote no to any upcoming gun mm -hmm. control. And if you want to dig deeper, you can go to places like Firearms Policy Conference, uh, Coalition and find out what's happening in your state or what's happening on the federal level, and you can write the name of bills in. But start. That's the way to do it. You don't have to be perfect. You can stick your toe in the water by doing that. You don't have to jump right in. You don't have to go to D.C. for a rally or your state capitol. Get involved. Heck, just share Maj's Torre's event that's coming up in Atlanta on your mm -hmm. social media. Tiny it's the solutionary, solutionary Summit coming up yep. on next weekend. I think it's the Friday through the Sunday. Tickets are still available if you go to Maj Touré's um, Instagram. Media. He has a mm -hmm. lamp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to be a part of this without leaving the comfort of your couch. So please do so, um, everyone. Well, it's funny because uh, people are so quick to be... You, you know, there's obviously not a fear because I can understand if people were new gun owners that they might be afraid of outing themselves if you want to use it that if you want to use that terminology. But for guys that like no, no shame posts like I've got an air, I've got 20 AR-15s with 100 gr uh, dr around drum mags. And I don't care about anything. It's like, well, you have nothing to fear. Just become politically active then because you obviously don't care that you're out there. You, you post pictures of your guns, so you're not afraid of people knowing that that's what you're into. So you just got to do it. Like, add, attach the other side of it. And then for the people that are afraid to show that their guns, you can lobby anonymously. You don't have to go on social media and let your entire family know that you're into it. That's between you and your legislator or your mayor or whoever. Just write a letter to them and say, hey, I'm a constituent. This is where I live, and I don't want you to vote for this stuff. And if you do, I'm going to actively vote against you. So... Yep. Absolutely true. You don't have to be completely 100% out of the closet. My parents don't know that I do this. My whole family doesn't <laughs> know that I do this. And I uh, yeah. I use a pseudonym as well, so they can't find out, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My whole family knows I do it. My coworkers know I do it. And yeah, I keep getting looked at sideways at family functions. They're like, why don't you ask Mr. NRA over there? I'm like, what do you want to know? <laughs> You can't insult me at this point. This is what I do. I'm sorry, but I've, I've, I've dedicated a significant portion of my life, my money, and my time doing this. And yeah, I'm, I'm here. Ask questions. If you want to insult me, go ahead. But I grew up a fat kid. You're not going <laughs> to get under the skin. <laughs> I've, I've been attacked. I mean, heck, my hashtag is the what? Largest pound for pound gun bunny in mm -hmm. the industry in America. I ain't scared. Let's go. That's the truth. <laughs> That is the truth. So let's go through a few of the comments here. I know G Dubs, yeah, great shirt. We'll go into the story behind that too, because that's that's a great one. Uh, G Dub says that 
your minorities as newish gun owners getting into the community and participating. Your minorities because you share what you're doing online with others. And your minorities because you, uh, you're doing it as a couple. I thank you for getting past all of that and whatever else you do. And he's, he, he's exactly right. Uh, oh, and because this is kind of something that I harped on a few weeks ago on the show too, that even within the gun community, we are a minority within a minority. Uh, Joe says this all the time. How many gun owners that she runs into? And she just told a story earlier that just don't know anything about their rights or anything like that. It's like, I own guns because it's cooler because I can defend myself with it, but they don't even know why the why. Like, why are you able to defend yourself? Where did that come from? It's not just now, obviously, we believe that it's an inalienable right given to you by your creator or just it exists by your virtue of existing, whatever you believe in your origin story, whether it's God or just by virtue of you existing, you have human rights. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, you should know that that's what they are and that the Constitution protects those rights. They're enshrined. The Constitution doesn't give you those rights. It just shows these are the rights that you have by virtue of being a human being or an American citizen, if you want to get more, if you want to get specific to the U.S. And this is what they are. The government is supposed to protect these rights and make sure that they're not infringed, even though that's not what they do these days. But <laughs> that's the concept behind it. And, and most gun owners don't know that. When you let them know, they're like, I never knew that. That's really fascinating. So... And also jumping into the history because people go, oh, well, it's worse now or it's easier to get a gun now. And I'm like, ah, pump the brakes. 1934, you could have ordered a belt-fed machine gun shipped to your front yep. door. Like, you, you wouldn't have to go through anybody for anything. Um, we've come a long way. That's the slippery slope. That's the death by a thousand cuts. And we need to fight it and say no to everything. Not only now, but push back. Yep. And try to get to where we were, try to get rid of the NFA, try to get rid of the machine gun registry, uh, suppressors being a thing, short barrel rifles. All of that needs mm -hmm. to go because it doesn't stop a criminal, as has been proven over and over again. And all it is is another way for the government to get involved, to throw another artificial, arbitrary hurdle between you and your right. Oh, yeah. And to get money yeah. for it. Mm -hmm. That is true. Never forget that. It's never to make you safer. It's never, ever to make you safer. Mm -hmm. Of course not. It's always about power. That's just the way that it is. What do you got, Joe? You're checking out the chat? <laughs> I'm talking to our friend Kwaku James. Yeah, he said, uh, my parents might know. And no, they know I'm a gun owner. Um, they definitely know I'm a gun owner. I have had the conversation with all of my family members about that and have tried to convince them that... Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. My, um, I've talked a little bit about my parents being anti-gun and my family being anti-gun, which I find very confusing because my parents were gun owners when they were younger. My, uh, my dad had a revolver up until recently. I actually disposed of it because it's, it's uh, broken. So I got rid of it properly. But um, and by that I meant I I put it in my safe. He blew, he blew <laughs> the cylinder on it. it. Hit the bottom of the closet. <laughs> Years yeah. ago. Um, but my mom, my mom grew up shooting rifles. My dad, my grandfather was a gunsmith. Um, so I just find it so absolutely mind boggling that they come to America and then they suddenly get, I don't know how brainwashed into thinking that guns are scary when they grew up with guns. I, I will never understand that. Sorry, but yeah. That's um, okay. <laughs> random, random venting about the, uh, 
insanity that is when Hispanics come to America and then become a certain thing. Well, it's kind of like the whole, you're a certain race, you have to belong to a certain ideology thing. I don't understand that. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've, I've questioned that my entire life. Remember, um, Joe Biden said you're not black like, if you don't vote for him, too. So that's, that seems to be how it works. If... <laughs> Well, it's, it, well, it got to me because uh, the blacks have never sent me my membership card. I mean, I've been a member for a while. I was waiting for it in the mail. Nothing. Just more and more excuses every time I called the front office. Um, but my whole thing is I don't need to fit into a niche. My mom told me to be me. And that's it. Like, just because someone looks like you doesn't mean they're your ally. Just because someone that doesn't doesn't mean they hate you. Uh, she gave us that early judge people by their character, who they are and how they treat you. Okay. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. that simple. I figured if I listened to my mom and just did what she said, everything would turn out right. I, it, it worked for me in school. It worked for me in the Marine Corps. My friends were my friends. I didn't base it on anything outside of they were human beings. And however we, re we interacted, we interacted. Um, some people were disappointment and they'd smile in your face and end up being snakes in the grass. Okay. I don't talk to those people anymore. You get no more of my yep. energy. Yeah. Keep it moving. But the second amendment community is very welcoming to people of color for the mm -hmm. most part. Um, they're a bunch of a-holes. Usually they hide behind stupid names online and say dumb things. Give them none of your mm -hmm. time because more than likely they'd never say it in your face at all. So ignore that. But the hard part is we need to police our own when it comes to that because a lot of the people that come to my events are the brave ones in their circle of friends. So when you have the, I'll go ahead and go, the Muslim lady that shows up because she had a friend that was a Muslim dude, he bought her, she's shooting guns for the first time, and it's not what she thought it would be. It's really great. Everybody's welcoming. I post the pictures online. And then somebody posts, what's that Haji doing there? Mm. And I'm like, I could use this at a teachable moment or I can get rid of this as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, that particular one I got rid of. Why? Because she's showing people in her circle of friends, hey, these are the pictures up online of the event I went to. And now you have this dude saying this. Well, all of her friends have told her not to come because everybody's a redneck, hateful and, and, and hates Muslims. They're going to zero in on that one yep. comment and go, see, I yeah, told even... you. So, yeah, I got rid of mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes We have to ourselves. No, yeah, no, no. I think that is very important, especially on the Internet, because you have people that make seemingly a living just going on the people's pages just to troll because that's what they get off of. It doesn't matter. You'll see somebody that I was like, I've never seen this person on my comments before. They just came out of nowhere because you happen to hashtag one thing that's not entirely Second Amendment. So you pull in these trolls or somebody shares your, your, your post. And obviously they've got all different types of friends and, you know, you never know who you're going to get. So it's disappointing to see, but it's not necessarily you can't take it as a reflection of the community. It's just society has a bunch of a-holes and they're out there and they love they love to uh, get attention, so you just knock them out when you can. I was about to say that it's it's not just in the two-way community because yeah. I have a long history of, you know, doing different things. Uh, I have ADD, so I just jump from hobbies and from causes. But, you know, I, they're still, it's not like I change causes, but um, when I was much younger, in my teens and my early 20s, 
I was an animal rights activist, which always surprises people. And um, the reason I left was because the community was absolutely toxic and there was just so much infighting. So uh, I'll definitely tell you this, as crazy as this sounds, uh, the animal rights community was a lot less inclusive and a lot less nice than the 2A community. I'll definitely take the 2A community in terms of personalities Mm -hmm. over that, believe it or not. I kind of can see where you're coming from um, <laughs> because the 2A community has different levels of advocacy um, and you can come in at those different levels and it's cool. No one's ever, usually people aren't trying to out advocate yeah. each other, yes. but <laughs> it's like, nah, that's just not the way it works. Um, but I think everyone needs to at least be involved in some way. You got to put in the work. At least you have to use your civic duty to vote and make your voice heard. Um, I had the governor's number on speed dial. I mean, on my phone, it's like, boom, it's me again. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, no, sorry, buddy, but, uh, that Tony created. (laughs) Yep. It's like him again. All right. Yep. Hey, bought a new pistol. (laughs) (laughs) Hang up. I want to do that though. In my mind's eye, that's funny. In real life, my, my governor's so petty. He'll have me pulled over every day. He's just, he's just, he, I go crazy when I hear what he has to say. Yeah, when he said he wasn't really thinking about the Constitution. Oh, no, he, he did, said, he oh, did. no, it was. It was that above yeah, my, above pay, my grade pay grade or something like my that? My God, I was just like, how mm-hmm. is it? You, you're the governor of a state. It, that is your pay grade. <laughs> That's your wheelhouse more than anybody else. I should know it as a citizen, but you should especially know it as the governor. Like, if I don't know it, it's whatever. Like, it's, it's shame on me, but on you, shame on everybody for allowing you to get elected. You know, it's just crazy. So somebody in the chat says, do you have an XR-15 bullpup? <laughs> I know where he's going with that. <clears throat> yeah, I picked it up in yeah. Germany. <clears throat> How's, the kick? How's the kick on it? But it, it kicks a lot, and every time I put it down, it would go off and try to blow my head off, so I got rid of it. Um, <laughs> Gotta be careful. Oh I, I've... <laughs> I, if, if that wasn't already old, if there weren't already plenty of places that you could see the joke about that, then I would, I would bring it up. But if you guys don't know, then, then you don't know. <laughs> uh, Listen to episode 75 of the second is for everyone podcast. And I'm yes, talking and about And then if you want to go to, uh, Hank's podcast a couple of weeks ago, he had Maj on Maj actually spoke with, uh, with grandmaster Jay on the phone and he talks uh pretty much how he was and grandmaster jay is i I, he wears his emotions on his sleeves i guess he is who he is how you think he is that is who he is he does not make any bones about it that is the man that he is so for better or for worse it seems like he's an authentic guy (laughs) my problem my problem with getting misinformation from him was people is it's dangerous that's the so now you have someone who's in charge of a militia mm-hmm. saying things that gives him an expertise, I guess, according to people who want to look at it mm-hmm. as such. Like, oh, well, he must know what he's talking about. No, no, he doesn't. And he's really loud with not knowing what he's talking about. Now, those those clips and the things he said might come back to bite us in the butt, and we'll have to battle against mm-hmm. that. But we have to fight against things exactly. anyway. So he's just another one. Thanks for not yeah, helping. Exactly. Yeah. But again, he still has the right to keep and bear arms. That's where everybody, I think that's where a big thing happens. I've seen, and it's usually in the comments. It's not anybody of prominence, but you see those stupid comments of like, well, even within the gun committee, those people should know guns. It's like, dude, they can, 
They can. Like, whether you like it or not, that's the way it – either it's for everybody or it isn't. It's not a privilege. It's a right. And 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 yeah. sometimes people on the 2A side – forget that themselves it's like well i don't want those antifa communists to own i was like well if they're not doing anything illegal with their guns technically they can have them like there's nothing wrong with that i also i also so. see that within within the 2a community when there's people that are not uh tactical and operators and they get very up in arms about that um and they don't remember because they've been in this echo chamber for so long that the majority of gun owners don't get extensive lessons you know and they they're acting like that should be a regular like a, a rule and it's like no man you forget we want less rules not more rules the way you guys are talking you're acting like we should expect this this would be One no the, yeah stop mm -hmm. one of the smallest minorities in the gun community is the tactical yep. community i don't care how many commercials they have out no one knows your favorite trainer that you lactate over whenever they come around they don't know who they are no one knows calm down um i'm like understand something that's a very small part of even the military is operators yeah. trigger pullers are are the point of the spear of the United States military, and they don't make 10% of the military. Mm -hmm. So pump the brakes to thinking everyone has should be required to pass your Navy SEAL qualification training or whatever bounces around in your head. No, you should be able to walk into your grocery store and buy a CZ off the yeah. shelf. <laughs> That's what you should be able to mm -hmm. do. And what those people training, no, well, if you didn't have this false idea of what training would be like um your carry permit paper uh qualifications if you didn't have those people go wow i just bought this thing and i have no idea how it works i should take a class that would be better than oh well my my carry permit uh qualifications to be able to fire five rounds on a plate at five yards well you have a false sense of accomplishment when you achieve that for the most part you don't know that kind of you can probably drop the gun and get it to go off and hit a plate at five yards. I'm, I'm just saying if they weren't had, if they didn't have these arbitrary requirements, people would probably seek out education. Oh yeah, they would more. Yep. Well, and, and also, I mean, like in States like New Jersey, where not only do you have to r jump through so many hoops, the time and the money that it costs to get permitted is money that you could spend and time that you could spend getting formalized training that would be better anyway. Well, here's here's something I heard from someone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, in, in, the, in the position to know. They had to get some licensing from the same judge that gives out carry permit license. He said, hey. Judge calls him. I saw something. I ran across your name in this pile of carry permits. Somebody must have put it in the wrong place. I don't need know what even made me look because I usually ignore this pile of papers. That was the carry permit judge. <laughs> Ignores carry permit paperwork and just stumbled across my friend's name and called him up going, hey, you need to renew your permit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And in New Jersey, you have to have a, a justifiable need. Yeah. So for to get to that person means someone had to say, my ex-husband has threatened to kill me and he's out of jail 
and he keeps stalking me and I'd really like a carry permit so I can protect myself and my children. And this judge won't even look at the letter when he gets no, it. They don't. That's so, the wait, is this, is this one of the states that require an it's essay? It's a issue, yeah. Pretty it's much, a yeah. Issue. yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, and, and my problem with it is this. When laws become unjust, when do you stop following unjust laws? When do you take it upon yourself to go, I'd rather take the chance of being locked up than die? Because mm-hmm. in Jersey, I get caught carrying a firearm, it's four years minimum. Then we throw in, if I have a magazine that holds more than they say it should. Um, if I have hollow points in the gun, because that just gives them another charge to tack on to mm-hmm. it. So, well, like, when do you go, you know what? Forget it. I'll just take the chance. And why, why does a person have to choose between mm-hmm. that? Because I'll tell you, when I first moved up here in the early 90s, I carried my 1911 on me to some of the calls I went on. My regular job is a locksmith. So I go to break-ins, domestic disputes. Um, as the saying goes, don't go to stupid places at stupid times with stupid people. Well, as a locksmith, my job is to do all three. <laughs> so now I'm at a place that got broken into in the middle of the night on a holiday weekend in a warehouse. And if we know anything from every movie we ever seen, that's where the bad guys all congregate in the warehouse. So I remember 4th of July back in the early nineties, someone had used an ax to chop a hole in the door. So I go there and I'm like, all right, what do you want me to do? Just secure the door until the sun comes up. We can get someone else in here. I'm like, there's a hole in the door. Yeah. They used an ax. I'll be right back <laughs> to my truck. <laughs> and I stuck the 45 in the waistband because they didn't make a 46. <laughs> and I went and finished that job up. But uh, all the lights were out. All the lights were out in the warehouse. The halogen lights had to come up. I had to run electricity from the back of my work truck. They knocked the lights out above the door so it's pitch black. And the only lights are coming from my headlight and the little light I had clamped to my forehead. And again, someone's running around with an axe. I got that deadbolt installed in like 10 minutes. <laughs> sounds like I, the beginning of a horror movie, Tony. Yeah, and I knew I was the black guy, and we always die before the <laughs> was This ain't gonna happen, buddy. Not today. <laughs> uh. Uh, Screaming Skull Saloon in the chat says Joe Pesci lurking about with a little thirty-eight. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was interesting. I had lots of other things like that, and that when I use the hashtag, you are your own first responder. You are, you're on your mm-hmm. own. I'm like, if something would have gone down, because what happened was the owner let me in that large warehouse and went back to his front office to see if anybody broke into his office. So I'm in this thousands of square foot warehouse at the very back by my no one would no one would hear you Mm -hmm. scream pretty much that's where i was at what are you going to do you have to protect yourself now you have a choice to make and again i was 23 24 at the time but you have a choice if i get caught i'm going to jail for at least half a decade and you have to make that a conscious decision because there's no other option in the state they won't allow you to get a curb permit regardless of how dangerous my job is that's ridiculous. Well, that's, well, that's a good uh, segue to 
reminding everybody that uh, if certain people get elected this year, and I don't even know how, how many days are left till the election, we will all be felons if they get what they're saying they want. So keep that in mind. That day of reckoning that you're talking about, when at what point do you choose to not follow laws versus, um, you know, protect your life could be coming up very, very soon for many of us. So and it, we have the power to stop yep. that. And it's happening all the time, too. Just uh, just because the national elections may go your way, they're they're focusing on the states now because they know absolutely that national gun control is very, very difficult to pass. It is very difficult for them to pass. It is very difficult to enforce. So if they can get it in the states, especially states that may not have had those rules already, uh, they would prefer that because they've seen how the strategy works. Uh, Brady, the Brady campaign, Moms Demand, they saw that, okay, this national gun control thing, this doesn't work. It's way too difficult. We can never get all of Congress to do it unless we get like a supermajority, which they haven't had. Um, they basically have to get all three. They have to get the presidency, the House, the Senate, and they have to have super majorities, and then they can probably pass national gun control. Without that, it's really hard for them to do. So, and understand, they have the motivation, unlike when the Republicans had all three houses and well, did nothing with There was it. a saying, I forgot who said it. They said, uh, Democrats, uh, Democrats hold power, Republicans, Republicans hold seats. So that's what they do. Mm -hmm. So Republicans are just like, you guys elected us. This is awesome. We get to hang out now for the next four years. Democrats are like, you elected us. Now we can ram down everything down your throat that we said we weren't going to do, but now we're going to do it. And Republicans are just like, we're just here, guys. We'll hang out. This is awesome. We'll pass anything, even if the Democrats want it. We're cool. We're just hanging out here. And then there'll be like five of them. There'll be like five of them, like Rand Paul and a few of those guys. They're like, this is BS. It's unconstitutional. They're like, shut up. We don't want you to talk. We'll let you join our party. Yeah, we don't want you to talk. Get out of here. They're like the Olympics. Everybody, they're like the guys who finish after third. We're just glad yeah, to be that's here. How, yeah, that's how like, this is great, man. Participation here. award. Awesome. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yep. It is. So I, I, I've waited until the second hour of the show to bring mm -hmm. it up, but you got to give us a story of the T-shirt. Yes, definitely. Oh, this whole thing? <laughs> this, yes. This is um, this is possibly your 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 biggest claim to fame. I think this will go down in 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 forever in the history of of, of two A stuff. Anyone who is lucky enough to have gotten a T-shirt or a a, a a sticker, I have a sticker that I look at every morning right next to my uh, workstation. You smile at me every morning, Tony. <laughs> oh, this is great because it's a joke that never stopped giving. Indianapolis NRA, I was there walking around on the floors, tiring. It's like 12 and a half acres, a lot of walking. I'm a big dude. At Fifth day, I decided I was going to go and soak in the tub. My wife said, hey, you know the uh, bathtub in the hotel room has a hot tub in it. Boom. Poured some liquid, you know, soap, to, soap in there. Turned it on. Made a drinky drink or two. And uh, in the middle of my second rum and coke, I thought it was a good idea to take a picture of myself in a bubble bath and post it on social media. I figured it'll get a couple of laughs. It did. It was hilarious. Well, a friend of mine decided that they were going to make a sticker out of my picture, they contacted me and asked me, and I said, yeah, go ahead. And they were going to put it on their daughter's um, igloo, not igloo, what's the name of that company? Oh, Yeti. Okay, yeah, the Yeti cooler, yeah. drinking yeah, thing. And they did. And we were going to SHOT Show this year, and <laughs> Chad, 
from Firearms Radio Network. It was his family that came up with this idea. I said, hey, what do we do with the other 20 that we made? I was like, let's give them away to people who are shot. Well, Aaron Paulette from Operation Blazing Sword went, hey, Tony, can I put your picture on T-shirts and we sell it and we can split whatever money comes in between our two organizations? I'm like, Aaron, no one wants to see a picture of me in a bubble bath on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, besides me having one, forcing my wife to wear one, and sending one to my mom, no one's going to get one. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I'd like to thank all of you guys <laughs> for purchasing these and uh, helping us out, including you two, who bought it to Vegas with yep. you, and Zeke Stout, yes. who had one also. And... Uh, we took one together. We all wore what the last day I was there, Thursday, mm-hmm. I think it was. We all wore my Tony Simon says hello from the planet love Tron shirt. And it was great. But I realized one thing because I had one last sticker and I put it on my cell phone on the back of the case. I was going around talking to presidents of firearms companies wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> introducing myself to these people and I have to give it to them because they kept a straight face and didn't even ask about the shirts, but it was great. (laughs) I think between, I think at shot show this year, the two things that you saw people look for or have, were the little baby Yoda patches and then your sticker that was and the Tony, the Tony Simon. That was like yes. if you had both, you were the ultimate. If you had one, you were cool. But if you had both, then you really dominated Shot Show. <laughs> it was really a lot of fun, and that's when I started using the hashtag uh, "Largest Pound for Pound Gun Bunny in America" because it's mm-hmm. funny and. And it also gives you a way to look at my pictures. And I, I own mm-hmm. this. Sorry, I can work this thing. <laughs> now I people- got to call Rolando out. That is absolutely one of his favorite T-shirts to wear yes. when he's at home, when he's going out. I'm like, you're going to wear Tony out today? <laughs> he does not care. I love it. He will I wear it. it. It's a conversation it's starter. It's just funny. And I think the greatest was when Shannon Watts... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <clears throat> the DC project is a project that has women from 50 mm-hmm. states run by Diana Mueller that go to the Capitol and talk to their legislators every year. Well, they got together at SHOT Show um, and they had um, a get together outside of Fiochi Fio- Ammo. So I went there just to get some video of it. And of course, I had my shirt on because it was done on the Thursday of SHOT. And Diana knows me and she was like, hey, Tony, hold up this sign. Okay. So I hold the sign up and it's like educate, uh, education, not legislation. So I'm holding the sign up because that's their saying. And I didn't know a news crew was there. (laughs) So the news crew pans the entire thing. And of course they make sure they don't get a picture of a dude in as in my face, but it got a picture of my shirt (laughs) clearly as it's panned (laughs) in the crowd. And, uh, Shannon Watts of mom's demand tweets it going, this is all blah, 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 you know, gun propaganda. And I just froze the screen right there and Shannon Watts thing, and I put it back out. And I was like, even Shannon Watts loved my shirt. <laughs> oh, that was great. Dude, just a funny shirt. And if it can support Aaron and the work with the LGBTQ community, fine. Because what they do at Operation Blazing Sword is introduce people in the community to firearms. Mm-hmm. 
um, by introducing the firearms instructors. They, in Operation Blazing Swords, pays for the ammo. And just instructors come and teach people from the gay and lesbian community. Awesome. Is this, is this shirt still for, for sale? Do you know? Uh, it's still up because I got to buy a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah, I definitely encourage everyone to get one if you haven't gotten one. If you need the link, uh, anybody who's listening or watching, uh, just send me a DM on uh, Instagram because that's my favorite social media platform, and I will send that link out to you to get a T-shirt just like that. I mean, it's great, man. And if you can help somebody out, awesome. I have T-shirts of my own that say 2A4E on it, um, and they just help us. I have one that says gun control equals racism. I get paid nothing on that shirt. The whole point of the blue gun control equals racism shirt is so when you go to rallies, you and your boys can all be dressed in the same T-shirt. It's 10 bucks shipped. And it's, it's so you can pop up in pictures. It can start a conversation if it's in a photo. And you can choose to rock that sucker and start a conversation at your own family functions explaining how gun control and racism in America go hand in hand. Where, where can they get that, Tony? DiversityShoot.com or 1022Clothing.us. It's like 511, but twice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I have the link through through DiversityShoot.com. It's just easier to find everything. Check out our swag. You can donate to us through GoFundMe, PayPal, and even become a Patreon where we're giving away with Yankee Marshall. With the Yankee Marshall, we gave away a CZP10C. That was fun. Um, I have a giveaway that we're going to announce this month. <clears throat> Winners. We gave away a rifle from Palmetto State Armory rifle kit and uh, a lower from Double Star, which was a boogaloo mm-hmm. lower. It actually says, I'm here for the boogaloo on the <laughs> side and leaves a little space for your name. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to be giving another one of those away. I work with High Point. High Point donated a carbine. So either a 9mm or a 10mm, you choose. Sweet. And uh, somebody won that this month, and Hightower Armory provided a bullpup chassis system. So like the bullpup I have that I can't show mm-hmm. you right now, um, that holds the 9 millimeter. they have a chassis system for the 10 millimeter high point, too. So we've given a lot of cool stuff away. We've got knives. We've got all kinds of things. This money helps me with opening up in new ranges because it takes the stress right off of my back because I'm a nervous wreck before every diversity shoot, hoping people will show up. And if I don't have the financial burden, it really helps out a lot. That <clears throat> Because before, I was paying for everything out of pocket. If you ever ordered 12 pizzas and hoped enough people showed up to pay for 12 mm-hmm. pizzas, <laughs> like, please let enough people show up. And then you have to figure out what to do with the extras if they don't. How do you usually, I usually, how do you usually deal with ammo, especially lately since it's been so difficult? Have people <clears throat> donated or have you been using your own stock or how's that work? how'd that work last time? Is I used to buy out of pocket and just keep keep building up because I'm a firearms mm-hmm. also, so I never had no ammo. And then people would bring their own ammo, which was awesome. And then what happened with Gun for Higher Range, because they were shut down for 18 weeks, they had to get some money. So what Anthony did was start selling ammo while they were closed. And I took $1,300 of my own money and purchased ammo wow. there. Uh, cases of nine, cases of two through three. And when he told people about it on Gun for Hire Radio, others started buying ammo and donating it to me. So I'm good. That's awesome. Uh, wow. 2021. 
uh, bad part is, I mean, when it comes back in, ammo prices aren't going to be what they were in the beginning of 2020. Of I'm, I'm just understanding that I'm going to have to grow our base because I'm going to have to afford ammunition next year. And it's going to be more expensive. Unless somebody wants to be <laughs> a fire uh, ammo manufacturer wants to sponsor us. That'll help. That'll help a lot. That seems to be the toughest thing right now, obviously, for, for everybody. That's why we haven't really gone to the range or gotten training lately because we don't want to use our reserve of especially 9mm. Because it's it's enough to say that you've got enough when you've got like, well, I'm not going to say how much we have. <laughs> but, but you know, it's enough to think like, yeah, I've got plenty. But then when you think about like, well, I may never be able to buy it for months. Then it's like, well, do I really have plenty or not? I was like, I have plenty if an emergency happens and... If the apocalypse ends, we have enough for a few different, uh, let's say, we got enough for fire teams and for a few different missions. <laughs> but I would, but not enough for years to last, or not enough to go have fun and have mag dumps and really to take people out and show them if it's not 22. If it's 22, you can do it. If it's anything else, it's kind of like, well, you can take a couple of shots, but I can, I can't let you, I can't let you do mag dumps over here. <laughs> or shoot the PCC. Well, what we used to do on a diversity shoot is just limited to rounds per magazine. Yeah. Hey, look, yeah. dude, 10 rounds mm -hmm. per gun or what, whatever the, the person who brought their mm -hmm. firearm is comfortable with. But it's like we, we have to understand that this is a finite resource, but we're here for a reason exactly. also. Mm -hmm. So it, it is what it is, man. Listen, I'm just glad people come to the events. I'm, I'm honored that people support what mm -hmm. we do. It really humbles you when you realize there are people out there that support you that don't know you. That's awesome. But they believe in your cause. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. Like you guys. Dude, when I first met you guys last November, mm -hmm. which doesn't seem like long ago and does seem it, like it, long yeah, ago at the crazy. same time, yeah. <laughs> um, I, was, I was amazed. I'm like, these are more people that actually want to be Second Amendment advocates. This is awesome. I want to motivate this on every freaking level. And um, I'm like, hey, who's ever down? Let's be down. I'll support you. And you guys have actually made moves. And that's great. Because that means a lot. Because I felt it that weekend, just in the vibes at the place. I'm like, this right here, this small cabal mm -hmm. of Second Amendment advocates that traveled the country, it's less than 2,000 people or around 2,000 people. I'm like, this is going to have a ripple effect across the country. And mm -hmm. it did. Um, it manifested itself mostly in Virginia, but everybody in Virginia weren't from Virginia. They came from all over the place. They were 50,000 deep in yeah. Richmond. And as somebody who's a Virginian, who identifies as a Virginian, that's where I was born and raised. I was really, really proud of that and sad and partly because I couldn't be there. And the other reason I was sad because my fat butt was wedged in the back of a Frontier airline plane on the way to Vegas. Yeah. That hurt it. <laughs> that, I felt like a jello mold in the back of that car, in the back of that plane. But uh, I was saddened that I couldn't be a part of something that historic. And I really feel that was historic. But as, as Second Amendment advocates, we can't rest on our laurels. That has to be repeated in every capital and every state. We have to continue that energy into 2021. Whenever this pandemic is over, we have to be out. We have to be in the streets. We have to participate. It just has to be done on the county level, on the township level. We have mm -hmm. to do it. Because if we don't, if we don't, when you're silent politically, you get taken That's advantage true. of. And um, 
I mean, speaking about the, the DC rally where we met you, that's that really was the catalyst point for us that motivated us. Seeing how receptive, you know, as somebody that I was, I was a, a gun tuber fan for a long time, I guess you could say. So I've, I've been into guns for, you know, pretty much as long as I was legally able to. I had a lot of friends that were veterans that got me into firearms when I was 18. So my dad was in the Navy, but he never owned firearms. He was never against it. It's just not anything that he grew up with. So you don't know what you don't know. I'm not against it. You have the right Second Amendment. I believe in it. I uphold it, but I just don't have guns. So I, it was my friends that were a little bit older than me that went to Iraq and Afghanistan that came back. And taught me, you know, the importance of self-defense, the importance of the Constitution, all that stuff that really got me into guns. And I think the DC rally just did such a great job of galvanizing it for a normal person. Uh, you know, the group that we had was great because we were able to have, like, I had heard about you before that because I'd heard you on a few different podcasts. So I was like, Tony Simon, this guy's great. He's doing great work with uh, 2A4E. And then I'd heard of uh, of KD. From Coleone's, uh, like season three of Coleone when he went to St. Louis a few years ago. So I was like, oh my God, this is freaking KD. I know all about KD. He's awesome. So it was really cool to have kind of an intimate setting with people who had been in the industry for a while, all different levels. You know, from KD's been doing this for a long time as a trainer, and he's. I see KD is equally to me in my eyes a civil rights advocate and a second amendment advocate he really does a great job of bridging both and and really making it come together um and so it was just a really encouraging event it was great to be there and it really motivated me a lot and we weren't sure what we were going to do at the time but we're like we have to do something even if it's just getting out there and introducing people to guns writing to our politicians it doesn't matter and the evolution of how we came um, from that point and how encouraging, you know, guys like you and everybody else were. Carrie, uh, Carrie Sloan, and uh, obviously, uh, who else was there? Uh, Cheryl Todd. Uh, Cheryl Todd, Rebecca Schmoy. Tim, uh, Tim, Knight, Tim Knight was there too. His, uh, so, I mean, we just had a great group of people, along with the other normal people like us that were brand new advocates. And so it was just absolutely fantastic to go there. And it was very encouraging. And the more that we got into it, like I said, like I was harping on earlier, we saw so many. The, the one thing that really has inspired us is that we think that the black gun movement and black advocacy in the gun movement is having a, re a renaissance right now. I think there's a lot of great examples like like yourself, uh, obviously Argo, who we had on last week, KD, Coleone, uh, Maj. You have a lot of really great leaders and examples right now. And we didn't necessarily see that in the Hispanic community. And we never set out with a goal of wanting to be that. But the more that we've seen it, we're like, we at least need to be a face to get people out there. Because even if I, I'm, we're not going out there, I don't want to be Coleo Noir in the sense of the fame and things that come with that. If that were to happen and it's as a result of us bringing good, then that's fine. That's cool. But that's never been the goal. In fact, we've always wanted to be a little bit more anonymous. Uh, obviously, that's not the case anymore. But as we've gone along more, we've seen that it is beneficial for people to put themselves out there. So our goal has always been to be not only to show like, okay, there are Hispanics in on this. It's to show that there are millennials in on this, that there are people who have no background in guns that aren't on this. I'm in IT, Joe's in healthcare. 
that there are couples that make this something about it. So that's even another layer that you can see a husband and wife doing this together. So it's like, it's not just, this is what the dudes do and they hang out and this is what the boys are doing all the time. And women are like, Oh, well, whatever. My husband goes out and he shoots these guns. No, it shows that it really is again, to go back to your organization, the second amendment is for everybody and everybody of all. That was actually reminds me of a story. Which story? Um, we were actually at a gun store in, uh, what is, what is it the one where I picked up my, it was the day that I picked up my CZ. Okay, yeah. So she, yeah, she's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll plug so them. There was cool. a, <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple to the left of us while we were waiting for them to get, uh, everything, uh, straightened out with my, with my new handgun that I was very excited for. And uh, it was uh, it was a black gentleman and his and his I'm assuming girlfriend or wife I think it was his wife, so he was uh, talking to the guy behind the counter and looking at uh, I don't remember what he was looking at I think it was some long rifle some long gun right uh, was it an AR uh, I'm not sure I think he was um, he was looking at an MMP15 I think yeah okay anyway so he was looking at the gun all enthused and she's sitting there or standing there. And then she sees another woman, and then she kind of like looks at me, feels that thinking in her head, here's someone who can understand my struggle, and then kind of like locks eyes with me and goes like, can you believe this? And like rolls her eyes. And I'm like, lady, I'm here to pick up my gun. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and this is not my, and she was like, and this is not my first one either. It's not even my second or third. (laughs) And she was like, oh, my God, these people are crazy. (laughs) She looks over and goes, yeah, I can't believe he's buying an AR. You know, CZ makes brands, right? (laughs) No, because I think he was talking about that his first first rifle was a Draco. So he was like, man, but I really want an AR-15, too, because, you know, hey, you got to have both. And then so she's like, oh, can you imagine him having two different rifles? Like, that's crazy. Why do you need two different rifles? Like, you got one. Why isn't that enough? <laughs> but uh but then like we're we are the wrong but then people to you any yeah, sympathy and, lady. But G dubs G dubs in the chat is like it's funny, but you open her mind. So yeah, so she sees that it's like here's a couple, it's not just her husband that's talking to my husband, they're geeking out about guns, it's she's in on it too. So it's like so now you almost gave her like it's socially acceptable. Like you're not gonna be the only woman. You might be one of only like ten percent for now but you're still gonna have friends and there's plenty of examples that we can show you so even if your friends aren't into it there's plenty of other friends you can make too that will be into it and then maybe your friends will be into it once they see that you have other friends that are into it so for sure and i think i i I think i told her i asked her if she'd ever shot one before and she said no and i said well don't knock it before you try it's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun so she kind of we definitely left her pensive about it so hopefully she got around to doing that, but yeah, you never know. You never know. Yep, we just open doors, open doors, let people walk through it on their own. Um, and again, I can't stress this enough don't expect someone to change political parties because they bought a gun. Just, just don't push that whole thing. Educate, but you're not forcing things down their throat, just educate and let them make their own choices. Um, I was on a show with Cheryl Todd. Um, and it was the Arizonans for Trump 2020 thing. And it was all of their campaign people. And they were like, well, how do we get people to vote for Trump? And I'm like, no, one, I, I have no idea how mm-hmm. you do that. But if you're talking to people about firearms, 
you just state your position. And they were like, well, how do we, you know, have Trump be a strong, you know, uh, all the things he's done for the Second Amendment. And I was like, well, you got an uphill struggle there because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, and I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a room full of a Zoom meeting, but I'm in a room full of Trump fanboys, and I'm like, he didn't do as much as he should have mm-hmm. done. He, he didn't do as much as he could have done. So you need to concentrate on what he's done, and then talk about what Biden plans on doing. But I was like, truthfully, if you want to help, you need to talk to your president, since you guys are in his campaign organization. Say he needs to be strong on the Second Amendment. I had to figure out how to say that without alienating the entire mm-hmm. room, but whatever. I'm like, he sucks. <laughs> he sucks. I, I think you. And he said, I, th- I think the way that you can start is that a lot of pro Second Amendment people are not all of them, but I would say that the majority of people that are in our community, so the minority within the minority, as I like to say, most of us are pretty much absolutists for the most part, or at the minimum repeal the NFA and, and make silencers, you know, over the counter things at, at a minimum. I would say that that maybe some of them might be, that might not be for tanks and jet fighters off the table. I think all of us are because we do want to own tanks. Come on. If I could afford, I would buy one <laughs> just because they're fun. But, uh, but you know, you, you start there and then you work your way back or you say, well, now that you're into guns, have you ever seen like how you can ask them, like, how do you vote? And it's like, did you know that that candidate actually voted against like you owning this firearm that you have? Because you have a Glock, a Glock 19. Now that's a 15 round magazine by default. So you can't own that in these states. No way. I never knew that. Why? Well, now that you know how to shoot, wouldn't it make sense that you have more shots? Because do you think that you're a good enough shot? Or if you're dealing with multiple people, don't you think that having more rounds at your disposal will be helpful? And they're like, I never thought about that. But now that I have one, I do think about that. So that's just how you start it. So, oh, Edgar, Ed, Edgar yeah, has joined I mean, us in the chat. Uh, thanks for joining up, Edgar, <laughs> with Guns for Everyone. We'll hey. give him a plug. If uh, if you guys don't know Edgar Antion, he runs Guns for Everyone. He has probably trained more people in like basic firearms training, at least 50,000 people right now. So maybe more than anyone in introductory classes. And he does it all pro bono. So uh, you should definitely support gunsforeveryone.com. You can check it out there. Uh, he's got a great podcast that's e- usually every Monday now, uh, Mountain Time, starting at around 10 p.m. Eastern's 8 p.m. Mountain. So I'm going to give our fellow brother from another mother, Edgar, some plug there. So Doesn't Edgar have a GoFundMe Yes, also? I believe everything. If you go to uh, Guns For Everyone, he can say it in the chat if he's watching it. I believe if you go for Guns For Everyone, he has links to everything from his website. And if he doesn't, he should. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be posting that stuff. I'm going to be posting stuff from um, Edgar so people can reach out to him on, on my Instagram, my social media. Um, I, I started doing it every week. I, I try to post multiple mm-hmm. things that were going on inside the industry, and I kind of fell off because I was trying to get this thing going in PA. But I got to get back on it because that's the way we spread well, and, information. And what- I have to follow me you have people to follow you and what i tell people is like i understand that times are tough financially so what i tell people one of the things that joe and i did obviously is that sometimes we just we rotate who we who we give money to you know sometimes every month so it's like well i can't necessarily afford to give money to everyone that i want to give to uh this month so i'll choose like this month i'll give guns for everyone 20 bucks next week next month i'll give Second Amendment is for everyone, uh, uh, 20 bucks. I'll, or I'll give 
uh, Black Guns Matter or We the Female or whoever, and, and we'll rotate there that way. So it's like, well, I can't give every, I can't spend a certain amount of month uh, ev for everybody, but I want to help everyone any way that I can. So that's a way to do it, especially if everyone's on H Patreon or GoFundMe. Your payments are built in there, so you can just change it every month if you want to, uh, depending on who you want to help. You know, every little bit helps. So. And it makes you feel warm and gooey and soft inside, <laughs> like you did something good. Yeah, I mean, there was this dude named uh, uh, Jay, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jay. I think his name was Aga uh, Jay. He has something called Black Ops, and I donated to that because I feel it's important to get word out because a lot of people mm -hmm. are visual. And if you put in, in what he does, I think it's important, and I hope him all the success um, because – I'm going to be in it, but also <laughs> it's, it's really important that people get the word out, yeah. man. Um, and use your social media to do it again. It's free. Mm -hmm. Use your social media to promote others, man. Just, you don't have to do it every mm -hmm. day. You don't have to like have a post from me and then have a post from Maj, but maybe once a week, decide who you're going to promote. Well, if, if anyone awesome. that you want to see who did a really great example of this is again, your, your, your boy, Anthony Calandro during the, uh, during the lockdowns, really, I, uh -huh. I think he did a huge service to his community. And it's not just the Second Amendment community. If you guys don't know, Anthony Calandro went around and basically showed all the businesses that were open during lockdown that he was a patron to. And he said, hey, these guys are open. Support them. Times are tough. So as a Second Amendment community, we can do that as well. Pay it forward. You know, I believe in, in karma, the thing, that positive energy comes back to you. At the end of the day, it may just be somebody that helps you one day out of nowhere because they know, like, you helped my friend out and, and you're good people. So I'm going to help you out now. So that's the way that it works. And that's what I've seen in life. Usually, typically, it's the people that you don't think that you made an impact on that come back years later. They're like, you know what? You inspired me to do this or you um, you encouraged me to invest in this and, and support this cause. And I just want to thank you. And usually what goes around comes around. It might sound cliche but it's usually true as at least in my life experience it does so it really does plus just do the right thing to do the mm -hmm. right thing that's all and the second amendment community has a lot of good people yeah. in it a lot of good people i mean think about this because i told my sister this when she was dating i was like one of the advantages of hooking up with a dude that owns a firearm legally is that you know you can pass a background check <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> he, he has some money, or at least a giant, he can afford a firearm. Mm -hmm. If it's in New Jersey, he can afford all the fees associated with a firearm. Mm -hmm. If he belongs to a range, he can afford that, and he can afford to buy ammo. So at least that part, yo, he's got a job and he hasn't been to jail. That's a good step up from a lot of people that some women date. So <laughs> I'm just. That is absolute truth. Hey, it worked out for me. First time a uh, boyfriend who was a gun owner, look, 10 years later, still together. And, and <laughs> I also made what many people would consider either a rookie or just macho mistake, which the first gun that Joe ever shot was a 45. <laughs> but that's, but hey, that's oh. all I had at the time. It was the only gun I had. So it's like, if you want to shoot, you got to shoot a 45. That's the way it works. <laughs> well, mine was, I took her to the gun range in mm -hmm. Virginia. Uh, gun world on Malothian Turnpike. Ooh, there you go. And got her a 357 Magnum to shoot and put 38s in it because they're not <laughs> stupid. Loaded it up with 38s and watched her carve a hole in the middle of the target this yep. big. I mean, it, it was like, whoa. 
So I was like, all right, well, here, try this 9mm SIG 226. I didn't tell her how semi-automatics work. She drilled it right between the eyes. The brass shell ejected, hit the wall, bounced back, and hit her right between the eyes and fell on the counter. She thought she'd blown her own face off. She placed the gun down and walked outside and hasn't been oh, on the gun. No. <laughs> that was in 2008. Oh, no. <laughs> Working mistake. Not explaining things oh, to goodness. her. Yeah, I get I get so much brass whenever I shoot a, a 1022 and I shoot an AK because I'm left handed for whatever reason. AKs anytime I shoot in an indoor range because AKs just have such a strong ejection pattern that boom, it will always bounce off the side and come right back at me and land right on my neck every time. So I'm just like Joe. Joe's seen me come back from the range or or, or even shot show. She's like. What happened? I was like, I'm left-handed. It happened, and she's like, you didn't say anything. I was like, it happens all the time. That burnt brass doesn't bother me. It's just like, ah, whatever. I'm gonna have a mark later. It is. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Or especially when I shoot my Keltec a- Sub 2000. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. the way that I hold it, I always get my right arm right near the ejection port, and it doesn't have a brass deflector or anything like an AR-15. So I just end up with these little black marks everywhere. And it's either little circles from the casing landing there or just gunpowder marks or just burn marks. I'm like, whatever. That's what happens when I shoot the sub 2000. I'm not going to shoot right-handed. So it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I got a a scar on my uh, right forearm from whatever we were shooting a few months ago that never went away. So I was thinking of getting a little, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about tattoos. I have one and, um, I'm very fickle. So I already, it's only been there for like five years and I already regret it. Um, but I was thinking about, (laughs) I was thinking about getting a, a, a bullet bill right over the scar of the, uh, the burn. I thought that would be kind of cool. So we'll see. (laughs) I'll think about it. (laughs) It's all cool until your grandmother and hey, grandma, (laughs) what's that? (laughs) Whatever. No, funny story about the one tattoo I do have. And wow, I realized I just said five years. No, it's been there for like 12. It's been there since we like got, time yeah, since goes we by. started going out. So I was yeah, like, we've been together for, for 10 like years. 12 years. <laughs> yeah, my, um, my tattoos from my uh, animal rights days. And I used to be a sea turtle um, rescue. I got certified as a teach- sea turtle rescue um, person down here. And I have a turtle on my wrist along with the word vegan. So I'm no longer a vegan. So <laughs> <laughs> I might have to do something about that. So, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, no. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, looking at me, my body's a temple, so there's no reason. <laughs> I'm sorry. My body's a... Never mind. <laughs> oh, man. It's a big temple. It's a super church. What can I say? But, um... Yeah, dude. I mean, we all grow, we all change. Um, hopefully, I'm a two-way advocate, and I do this until somebody else take over. I want to motivate people. I want to motivate dudes mm-hmm. like you to take it to the next level. I'm just doing me, hopefully working behind enemy lines here in New Jersey, New York State, Pennsylvania. It'll help, and it'll just grow this community in any way I can. And I'm humbled by the people that help. I'd like to thank all the people that helped, and it is what it is. Ooh, cool. It's my favorite part of the show yes. as Joe struggles to translate old English <laughs> into old Spanish. How did you know? Because he's in the chat. <laughs> it's the 
greatest time so, ever. So yes, I'm like fight it, girl. We have, fight we have, it. We have, <laughs> we've reached the point in the show where we do our Constitution Corner. So there you go. I gotta find it. Did you send I it? I did. To me? I sent it. It's in the Skype chat, so you should just look in the thing. I I sent the whole amendment. You don't even have to go to a crazy website to find it this time. Translated. I'm having a hard time finding my Skype yeah, chat. Yeah. Oh wait, there we go. Okay. So for uh, those that don't, there we go. For those that don't know the Ninth Amendment, let's read it right now because I got my pocket Constitution right here. <laughs> so the Ninth Amendment. Uh, let's bring it up right here. All oh, is that amendment? No, that, I'm looking at the Fourteenth. I always these Roman numerals always trip me up, man. So there we go. The ju uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, IX. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. It's a nice and simple one, actually. Uh, all right. So here we go. Enmienda número nueve. No por el hecho de la Constitución enumera ciertos derechos a de entenderes. Wait. En Entenderse que niega o menosprecia otros que retiene el pueblo. Okay, I didn't do that. No, no, that was a good time. one. That was a good one. <laughs> I, keep Come saying, on. I keep saying I'm going to practice this before, but I never, I never. I, I'm sorry. And the show, and, and again, when you have when you have good friends on, the show goes so quickly. So I just looked and I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost uh, nine o'clock. It's time for us to do the Constitution segment. <laughs> I think that's great, though. I love this part of the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. There's like some uh, some some amendments that are like really long. I'm like oh, no. scared of getting I, I, to those. Oh my God, the Twelfth Amendment. Have you seen the Twelfth? Yeah, Amendment? we might have to split the Twelfth Amendment up over a few weeks. So. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> You'll do I'll it. Do you it. practice for that one. I have to practice that one. I promise. <laughs> I promise. It's more than once, maybe. <laughs> Uh, Joe's gonna cop out and like record it and just play it. it? <laughs> She's gonna straight lip sync the that, reading. That's a good idea. I didn't think about that. That's actually a good one. We got the magic of editing here. We can do that. I've done some crazy stuff before. So yeah. So Tony, where can everyone find you? Where can they follow you? How that can they support you? What's the best way to do it? All right, I'm doing a little a little bit of everything, but I want to go ahead and say you can find me on Instagram at Simon Says Train. You can find me on Facebook at The Second Is For Everyone, also at Simon Says Train. Uh, you can donate to us at diversityshoot.com. Also on diversityshoot.com, you can listen to the 2A4E podcast, which is on most podcast apps, and is also on our YouTube channel, which is Simon Says Train. Uh, if you want to donate, we have GoFundMe, we have PayPal, we have, um, what's the thing, Patreon. We give away cool stuff on Patreon. I also do another couple of podcasts, which is the self-defense. Uh, ra- I'm, I'm on the self-defense radio network. And uh, I forgot the name, Gun Stories, something like that, <laughs> um, where we talk about self-defense, individual self-defense, uh, and four stories that happen every week. Uh, we have that on the self-defense radio network. I'm also on the firearms radio network with gun and gear review mm-hmm. podcast. So if you want to hear the stuff I do great, if you want to support our advocacy, awesome. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Hey, guys. no, it's our pleasure. Tony's pleasure. Tony's been awesome from the start. Like you heard, uh, he's been extremely encouraging. We met him at the second amendment rally and, uh, we had the opportunity that when we went to shot show, we, uh, actually got to stay in a house with he and Argo J so we got a lot of uh, great opportunities to really get to know uh, Tony. Tony's 
actually giving us a lot of pointers in the background on the podcast is a uh, podcast veteran himself. So uh, a lot of the technical issues that we would have had otherwise, besides the one that we've had, we would not, we definitely would have uh, not have overcome those. If Tony had not given us a few pointers beforehand, let us know some of the ropes of uh, some of the mistakes that you can run into when starting a podcast. So uh, we really appreciate everything you've done, Tony, and how encouraging you've been. You're really like a brother to us, and and uh, we're really thankful for you, what you, what you've done for us. You know, since we started this crazy journey, and we really consider you one of our good, best friends in the Second Amendment community, and just in life in general. Amen. I feel like uh, I'm glad to be there for you. Yeah, in any way. Thank you yeah. so much. So, but yeah. So you have anything else to say, Joe? You got the last word. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Uh, it's my birthday weekend. Yes, that's right. Yay! I'm I'm 21 again. <laughs> so subscribe as my birthday gift. That's what I'm plugging. That's gonna be my birthday gift for from everybody. Subscribe to our channel, and I hope everybody enjoys their Labor Day weekend. Yes. Uh, be safe out there, everyone. We really appreciate you spending your Sunday evenings with us. Uh, you guys make uh, the show worth doing. We love the chat. We love having people on. And, uh, you know, we do it for people like you. So we really appreciate the feedback. And thanks again, Tony, so much for joining us tonight. We hope to have you on again. And uh, we really appreciate your time and what you've done for the community and for Thank us. You. So thanks a lot, everyone. Good night. God bless and take care. And remember, smash that like and subscribe and join us again the same time next week. So thank you and have a great night. <laughs> All right, there we go. It's good. We're 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 on the private side now. <laughs>